Bass players, musicians, welcome back, or welcome if it's your first time checking out the podcast. We are going to keep it lean and streamlined this episode. Time is of the essence, and that's kind of one of the elements I want to talk about when it comes to learning difficult music, something I'm going through right now. Um, this is coming out 9 a.m. Monday morning Pacific time on... Uh, on the 28th of November 2022 and I'm getting on a plane in less than 24 hours from now in 22 hours in fact from when this podcast launches uh, to fly to New York and spend a very luxurious I gotta say five days rarely get to spend five days working on a project in the studio but spend five days in the studio with Steve Smith doing the new Vital Information album uh, with Steve and Manuel Valera it's the 40th anniversary of Steve being a band leader and having this band Vital Information and um I've written a little bit for it, uh, and I'm, um, you know, bass player and in the band, et cetera, et cetera. And with that comes the uh, responsibility to be professional, to do a good job, which is always what I want to do. And in the case of this music, there are a lot of lines uh, that I have to play in unison. Manuel has written some, uh, you know, slightly more music, slightly more on the challenging side. So that's what I want to talk about um, because it's not just, hey, I'm going to spend eight hours a day on this for a month and have it all completely dialed in and memorized by the time I get to the studio. Life is super different now from, um, let's say, five, six years ago when, when that's kind of what I would have done, just spent tons and tons and tons of time on it because I had the time. Now I don't. Now it's really uh, lean. There's that word again. It's really lean in terms of what I get to, you know, what I get to dedicate to projects I'm, I'm doing and projects I'm a part of and music I have to learn. Um, so that's what we're going to get into. And maybe we'll start off with that line. That arrived on my radar yesterday. I think I got that. Yeah. We're not getting too much lead time either. So even if I had had a ton of time this week and hadn't been taking care of my daughter and just doing a ton of other stuff, um, I'd have only got that yesterday and had to dial in the fingering and all the things I want to talk to you about in this episode of the podcast. Um, as it is Monday, the 28th of November 2022, it's the last day of all the sales, a big, huge, awesome, epic sale every year. Today's Cyber Monday, um, but... It, it, that's meant to be like digital stuff and online stuff only. All of my stuff is online. But what I want to do, um, of course, the sale still runs. It runs tonight, uh, until tonight, rather, at midnight. That's when everything will reset back to their normal price. Uh, very, very quickly, um, I've put together the entire library of books, uh, all 16 books. They're in one download. And for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, the whole weekend, they are discounted by 50%. That's at yannickwasdala.com. If you already have some of those books, you just want one or two to complete your collection, use the coupon code getbase 22 at checkout and you can get 22 percent off everything else in the store though that's albums that's one way out that's everything from mystery to me to one way out those are all on my website now that's all the hx stomp presets and of course all the books and other book bundles 22 percent off and at the base studio yannickbasestudio.com use the coupon code lifetime three uh, lifetime 350 lifetime 350 to get $350 off lifetime membership. Like I said, um, over the past couple of episodes, I've added an insane amount of new material to that. Over 170 videos in the last month. Um, and if you want to get a discount off, 35% uh, off all the individual courses, if you just want to check out one or two things, use the coupon code uh, BASE35. 
almost forgot it there, base 35 at checkout. And that's it. It's all ending tonight at midnight. And what I want to do uh, as it's Cyber Monday, I want to do something extra for Cyber Monday. And it's very anti-cyber. It's actually physical. I want to give away three of my books. I want to give away a copy of Bass Player's Guide to Altered, uh, Bass Player's Guide to Pentatonics, and Bass Player's Guide to Sight Reading, like a Bass Player's triple bundle. I want to give that away. So all you need to do to be considered for the giveaway is go on my Substack and leave a comment below this post. This podcast is coming out via Substack. If you haven't been following along, uh, that's where I've moved everything. Um, I've got to remember to talk about the Instagram thing before the end of this episode. Stay tuned for that. Made a big move there. And yeah, just go down below this post on Substack. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Music or if you're watching here on YouTube, the video portion, go over to my Substack. It's yannickwasdala.substack.com. It's linked everywhere. No matter where you're listening or watching, it's linked everywhere. Just go and comment on this latest post. And let's see. Um, what do I want you to comment? Just something silly. Or some, like let's let's say let, comment your okay let's keep it bass related comment with the name of your favorite bass player that's all i need you to do and not me please do not uh that's not i'm not trying to get a bunch of props here or anything don't put me in there your favorite bass player other that sounds even more egotistic other than me that's expecting it to be me no just don't put me in there that's what i'm trying to say i don't need to see a bunch of posts like that i want to see like genuinely what you guys and girls listen to who you listen to um so post your favorite bass players that'll help me go check out some people maybe i haven't heard before um maybe you're going to post someone that isn't as known and definitely isn't known to me so that would be super cool maybe you want to post also a favorite recording as well that's a good idea favorite bass player favorite recording um, not me and yeah you'll be considered for the giveaway and I'm going to do it international shipping and it's normally a massive it is a pain not normally it is a massive pain in the ass to do international shipping but for one giveaway I'm going to make an exception and it doesn't matter where you are in the world I'll pay the shipping and uh, I'll give those three physical books away so yeah go over to the sub stack sub stack leave a comment favorite bass player favorite album and um I'll, I'll announce it on the podcast in the not too distant future, um, probably in a week or so when I get back from the studio. So let's get into this: how I work on how I work on more, slightly more challenging material. The obvious thing, which I'm sure you've already guessed, is you've got to play it slow. If it's something you're unfamiliar with, if it's something brand new, play it slow. That's a great place to start. There's this one line in. Uh, what are we doing? Um, un poco loco. Ah. It's a pattern, of course. It's 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 major triads in in their uh, let's see second inversion. It's not completely unfamiliar harmonical melodic territory. Like it's not it's not something I sat down and was like, what the hell is that? I could tell it was triads. It's just in a shape and a pattern. And at a tempo that perhaps I hadn't worked on them before. So fingering was really key right out the gate. So not only am I approaching this slowly, 
Um, sometimes with a metronome, sometimes not. I generally have enough discipline to practice at a consistent um, slow tempo without needing the metronome. Sometimes I'll throw it on for a little bit of discipline. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so that's the line. And it, Manuel has the fifth, uh, the fifths rather, that fifth interval written. I'm not sure whether that's a piano thing, whether I'm just going to hit the C, but I want the option. So that's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a tough one just to get there at the end really cleanly and make sure I hit the target because the, the, the strong part of the bar is that C in fifth so let me actually play it in context I don't want to play you the whole thing because I don't want to give away all the music we're working on and these are these are just demos don't forget so as you can hear it's all programmed um Well, there it is. There's so another thing I'll do, and what Manuel was very kind to send me with the logic, like his logic uh, sessions that he's making the demos in for these songs. So I can, it makes it way easier to <clears throat> to loop a section that I want to repeat over and over again. And let's not lose track of the elements I'm conscious of when I sit down to work on this stuff. I'm going to keep reiterating this so it kind of gets hammered home to you. It's starting off slow. It's working on the fingering, really important to work on the fingering at a slow tempo so that when you start to wind it up, you're not falling over yourself. Um, th there's also something I talk about in the books quite a bit and uh, the bass studio in terms of basic technique. Um, there are certain things that work at a, at a, a slow tempo and then maybe you're, you're, you're tripping up when you speed it up and you get it up to the tempo you need. So don't be afraid to readjust the fingering. There are certain skips and certain flattenings of the fingers, perhaps, that work that, at a slow tempo that just aren't physically possible when you end up winding it up super fast. And the goal is never to wind it up super fast. Like, my goal here is, what's the tempo of the song? How can I get the best time and the best sound in that framework? And that that's what I work to. I'm not trying to play this at 400 BPM. That's, the goal is never only to be able to play the thing you're working on fast. It's to be able to play it the best you can within the context of where it needs to be. So I have the line down. Obviously, you can hear it. Where's that tempo? So the tempos are one, two, three, and... I give myself an A minus there. I don't want to be skipping too much, but I also don't want it to be like da 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 There needs to be shape to the line as well. And it's tough when it's a demo and everything's kind of sticking out. There aren't too many dynamics with MIDI and demo uh, situations like this. And we don't have time to rehearse. So we'll be doing that you know, as we go in the studio. So that's going to be something we'll feel out. Like what's the shape of the line? You know, that's slightly more on the advanced level or the or the kind of that's slightly more down the path like i will have spent some miles walking down this path before i get to the question of what is the exact phrasing and how uh steve and manuel and myself going to play that together that'll be something that happens in the room but it's something i want to be prepared for in terms of there will be spots where it has to be da 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 da, da. it has to be completely even and and you know i can't be missing notes that would that would kind of suck um 
and also there are going to be moments where there has to be where there have to be hammers and there have to be pulls and slurs and legato and staccato and a mix of all those things plus accents all the things that go into artic- basic articulation and phrasing so those will come as sort of the 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 icing on the top of the cake but the cake needs to be built with really solid layers i don't know who's a british baking show fan but no soggy bottoms and the layers have to be supreme you know they have to be really really defined i think that's that's you know basically what i'm going for with that so where's that tempo so two three four okay so i'm there i'm there it's taken me a, a day and change to get it but i'm there but let me give you an idea of where i started with that because it's um now you hear how clear every single note is at that tempo i spent way more time at that tempo than i did playing along to the to the demo here because i I was a little buzz there because i really want it maybe my sitting position isn't great either right now i'm being lazy um and i've really dialed the right hand my picking hand is feeling it just feels relaxed and i'm not i'm not jumping around and i'm not having that sense of falling behind but i hate when i'm playing i'm going to play you an example of what i'm about to explain right now in a second because it's happening on another song that i really really need to get together before tomorrow um but i hate that feeling of falling behind like getting out of position and the fingers sort of tripping over themselves and you end up kind of skating over a couple of essential notes which is definitely uh doesn't fall in the bucket of professionalism or or accuracy so with this one really with, with everything with everything complicated like this and just it doesn't have to be complicated just with everything uh i think i posted on youtube recently the uh, like a five minute challenge like do this exercise descending and then ascending ah. a little connecting and an arpeggio very simple major scale uh fragments four note uh groupings of four notes um and it got a conversation going on on youtube a little bit and one of the things i i I mentioned there was that the right to make it that smooth and that fluid and that flowing the right hand technique the fingering whichever picking hand you have right whether you're right or left-handed the picking hand technique has to be so relaxed and so second nature you know if you're watching on youtube just okay i'm gonna do it and see if you can figure out what i'm about to highlight about the way i'm playing right now oh i missed one note actually but um no one is the if any it would be the top one that would be a little harder to harder to hit but i was trying to make an extreme uh, make, make you extremely aware of it because i was looking everywhere else even closing my eyes i was looking anywhere but the instrument that's how relaxed that's the goal that's how relaxed i am that's how relaxed i want to be when i play that i don't have to look at the instrument now i stayed in one key it was all major there was no real jumping around until i got to the 
till I got to the two octave arpeggio, but still I can play that with that huge position shift. Uh, most of the time I can play it. Uh, let me just check in and explain for those people only listening. I'm playing, that's all in one position. And when I get up to the 10th, that's one shift. That's, so that's, that's these two notes are in another position. And then I go from the fourth finger on C to F. I make that, that interval of a fourth on the same string. So, ugh. Trying not now because I'm explaining it, I'm thinking about it too much. When I don't think, when I just trust my instincts and trust what is natural. Oh man. Okay, that's better. Um, I make it pretty much every time. So that's that's the goal is to, to to be able to play all those things and not have to look at your instrument. You can really tell. Um, there's okay. There's a Benjamin Zander video the crying eyes video i've referenced it before but i haven't for a long time so maybe that'll be a good one to link below the video uh, i have to start making notes about what to link because i forget them and then i can't scan through um ben zander video link okay i'm scanning through 30 40 minutes of the podcast trying to remember what i mentioned so i'm glad i'm remembering to make notes now uh, i'll link that in the show notes and uh, on the on the Substack page and on, of course, below the video if you're watching on YouTube, where he talks about the different stages of a young musician. And he, what was it? He calls it one, you've got to watch it. It's hilarious. It's sad. It is emotional. And I think it's quite brilliant. Um, And it is 15 or 16 minutes well spent. It's Benjamin Zander's TED Talk. If you don't want to, you can just Google that right away. And um, I don't know if it's called the Crying Eyes one, but it's... uh, it's Benjamin Zander. It's at a TED Talk. It's a phenomenal quarter of an hour to spend of your time. And to that uh, concept of him talking about the development and how you can tell how long a person has been playing in the way their body moves and in the way they articulate and in the way they phrase, the, obviously the more experienced, the, the, the longer the phrase, the bigger the shape that the musician can, can express. It's, I, I think... Uh, to add to that is the ability to close your eyes and be able to play anything you want to be able to go from any key to any key from any note to any note and that is underneath all of this definitely uh what is what has been uh, you know my my concept you know, since the beginning because i want to be able to sometimes close my eyes and completely shut off from everything visually and just use my ears and really react to what's going on around me um or have my eyes wide open and be just you know be able to interact in the midst of some complex music or you know changes that are moving all over the place or, or just music that is demanding i want to be able to interact visually with the other musicians around me or the audience perhaps not so much but i don't i don't get into it with the audience that often because i feel the presence of the audience uh, if, if it's a live situation rather than ha- rather than interacting or looking at somebody individually. And in the studio, um, completely different situation. It's an audience of two or three people, you know, the other people in the band, the engineer. Uh, I don't think we have video happening on this one, so it's going to be quite a quiet session um, in terms of the volume of people on it. And that, that, that comfort level of not having to look at your instrument, you can tell someone that isn't, you know, one of the cats or just hasn't been playing that long maybe when they have to really like look at every move and every jump and 
it's just not not um the experience isn't there for it to be completely natural yet so um if that is you that's not a bad thing just be aware of it and challenge yourself to and start simple you know challenge yourself to get away from that challenge yourself with you know maybe staying in the same position playing a little bit more intervallically or you know a straight up challenge of like i was doing before um playing two octave arpeggios you know i even have a bit of a picture but it's more of a feeling but i do have a slight picture when i close my eyes whoops <laughs> i think that picture frame is broken in g major but it is, is there is a slight visual reference when my eyes are closed which helps my feel it's that that thing again I, i've mentioned that a little bit before about you know a, a golfer visualizing the ball going in the cup or a basketball player visualizing the ball going in the net as pretty you know you can draw some pretty uh pretty close parallels when it comes to music and it's generally not a visual thing it's you know i i like to think of like hearing the stuff before it happens that's tends to be the most honest uh part of performing um hearing you know hearing what hearing the shape hearing the direction hearing the the melody before you play it and you know adding what you're hearing ahead of time to what someone else is playing and they're on their trajectory as well. So they might be hearing something slightly different to you and then being able to move together with those two things and kind of move seamlessly together and make microsecond changes uh, on the fly. That's when true comfort and true honesty and performance, I think, comes through. So back to our line here. That is what is going into that. It's kind of a long and winding explanation about the the bigger picture, but those are the some of the main things that are going into my process. I've, um, for anyone watching, had a little switch from Lacroix to Topo Chico, Topo Chico, and it is man, it should taste good. Anyway, let's play along to the to the track. This is something I do once I've got it up to speed. You heard me play it. You heard me play it at a slower tempo. And that's where I was. That was the tempo that I was working out or the fingering at. Then I wound it up slowly, five beats a minute, you know, uh, at a time in five beat increments, five BPM increments, until I hit, hit this tempo. isn't where the song goes next i'm just looping those two sections so i can get the transition i screwed it up i'm not reading by the way um i can pull the chart up over here what did i miss there ah just one beat on the downbeat because i that's another like massively important thing to me is to have as much of it memorized as possible before i get to the studio because i want to be loose I, I want to enjoy the moment at the end of the day it's like I, I want that memory to be great. I want to. I want to have like be, be looked in Steve's eyes and Manuel's eyes, and like we have those moments back and forth in the studio. The kind of things that, when I think of great gigs and great recording sessions and rehearsals and just you know making music in the past, I have those like human connections with the other people, and I, I want to give myself the best chance to have that 
on, on every session. This is no different. This is absolutely no different from any session I've ever done before in that respect. I want to have a great time. And when I'm having a great time and when I'm not buried in the sheet music, that's generally where I find the most success in the performance. So as much as I can, uh, I do have the PDFs up here. It's actually, for anyone who has learned music like this, the way PDFs, at least on a Mac, are... It's tough to put page one and page two side by side on the screen in the same thing. Even if you pick the two-page view, they always give you the first page and then page two and three are side by side. I've always hated that. And when you have a multi-page chart, you have to scroll up and down. So it's actually a pain in the ass if you haven't printed off your music yet, which I haven't, to read it in the screen. So it's actually better all around just to get away from it. And that's why I don't print it off, unless it's like crazy long and involved and I know I'm going to have to read it. If it's like two or three pages, I'm pretty confident that I can get most of it under my fingers. So that is how I practice it. And that's how I'll, I'll go and just go back like I did just then. I made a little mistake. Let me see what that mistake was. Make sure I'm not practicing mistakes, making sure I'm not embedding mistakes in the music into my playing. I don't want that to be the first place I go when I get to that point in the, in the song. And we'll play these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This is eight bar section around a few times. Give you an idea of kind of what that process is like let's go uh no wrong wrong window here we go And you heard me, I played a fill. Uh, you didn't hear it the first two or three times, but I did play a fill when I got to the C minor. It was all the wrong harmony. Um, but that's something I will work into the practice part of this and the repetition part of this as much as I can. Just seeing where my instincts go. I'm not trying to write a fill. I'm not trying to preconceive or compose something uh, that, that should be improvised. Um, uh, but I am trying to feel it out and get used to that harmony and connect my ear with what's going on in the song. And that's generally, as as this is brand new to me, this arrangement, the song isn't brand new to me, but the arrangement of Manuel's orchestration and arrangement, everything is brand new to me, just a day and a half uh, old. So I'm really trying to get inside that as much as possible and play too much uh, sometimes, um, intentionally play too much to see if i can strip some of that away and find you know find a find a thread find a storyline find find something where i can improve the music and sometimes it 
you know, that I, I don't come across anything and it's just better to leave the space where the space is written. I would say nine times out of 10, it's better to do that. But for the one, you know, we all have those moments on records that we know where there's that one kind of, some one little two, three note thing. You're like, oh, that was tasty. You know, if I think of like Marcus Miller records with him playing fretless, I can think of a few instances of that. I, I can think of so many people, um, Gary Willis, I can think of Anthony Jackson moments. I just everyone, James Jameson, everyone has their little two, three note moment um, when comping as a bass player, Michelle and Degacello, especially. Um, so if I can find an area where something like that might work, I definitely want to make sure um, I give it as, uh, as much of a chance as I can in the learning process. Um, I'll play this little section a couple more. Are there any other problem areas in this? Not really. No, it's pretty. That that's just the one in that song. You know what? Let's move on because. So what you can't see here off camera, I'm going to show you right now is uh, oh, everyone watching. Oh, it's not going to focus, is it? Because it's a screen on a screen. But that's my daughter. That's the little monitor, video monitor above her crib. It says "Good evening, Dad" on it. It's really cute. We have this thing called Nanit. Not a sponsor of the podcast. Not that they would ever want to sponsor a music podcast, but um, so I'm watching her. Like she's, you know, if there's an unscheduled stop, it's because she has woken up. Um, we're in the evening here, and that's probably one thing. Before I move on to the next song, as I'm sure so many people out there are in the same boat. You're a parent. Uh, husband, wife, uh, you have other commitments besides music, yet you still uh, at some point uh, need to make music, go to the studio or learn music or whatever. If you're full-time pro or even weekend warrior, whatever it is, at some point you, I'm sure, are aware of how limited time can get um, when, when you have to be a parent and have a family and all the rest of it. So that's another thing that has been... Um, limiting in terms of what amount of time I can spend, but also motivating in terms of how efficient I am with the time I spend. So it's really, I was already pretty efficient because even if I had six hours to spend with my instrument, I would milk every second of it. And now, you know, maybe I have like, I think today she slept for an hour and 20 minutes on her first nap but I only had 50 minutes of that to practice because then I had to take our dog to the groomers for his grooming appointment. It's, it's just the other stuff, you know. It's not even only uh, my daughter. It's just other domestic stuff that um, that is, you know, in need of, of attention. So I had 50, five, zero minutes to work on this stuff today. And what I've made sure I've done, no matter whether it's – and you, you've heard me talk about it all the time, about maximizing the amount of time you have, whether it has been – 50 minutes, whether it's been two hours or whether it's been just 20, which it, it gets to sometimes, I've really, really made sure this is what I was doing. You know, the, the tiny amount of time I had, it gets dedicated to um, what is most important coming up musically. And uh, that, that's it. That, that Steve's album is the next project that's most important, number one priority. You know, this is... I talked about it a little bit in a in a in a recent post about five songs that really changed me um, on Substack. That's a post from a couple of days ago, and one of those songs was uh, Sumo, uh, Michael Brecker's solo on Sumo, which is Steps Ahead live in Tokyo, nineteen eighty six, and that's Steve Smith on drums. 
Uh, there's also Mike Stern on guitar, who I got to play with. That's um, Mike Manieri, who is the the founder of Steps Ahead, and he's actually going to be on this album of Steve. So it's crazy that that is one of my all-time uh, most impactful songs in talking about jazz and talking about improvisation and and all of that. And this week I'm going into the studio with the drummer and the vibes player. It's, it, it's crazy. So that alone really kicks me in the ass. Like I, there's no room for error at all. I cannot fuck this up. So to that end, I really put in the work as much as possible. And it's not, it's still loose at the same. I'm not putting so much pressure on myself that it's unhealthy and there will be mistakes made and those mistakes will be immediately forgiven and absorbed and, uh, and moved past and improved upon because everyone understands how it is and everyone makes mistakes. But having that high-end motivation of this 25-year history of listening to these musicians that I'm about to go work with is, man, that is just, that puts me in a place of, just gives me the, the motivation to have the greatest chance of success in the studio. So I'm really grateful for that. I always like to highlight that and how important that is on any level to really um, respect the music. Uh, I think that's super important. And when you do that, people respect you for that. You end up respecting yourself for that because you know you did the work. It's a satisfying thing. You get, like I said, to relax and enjoy the time when, you know, no matter what the project is, a tour, a recording session, a single gig, a rehearsal, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, let's move on to another tune. Let's play a little bit of uh, Emergence. So this is a, an original of Manuel's. Again, this is MIDI demo. You're going to hear the click. It's a three-bar phrase. So it's twice. I'm reading this one. It's a little more, as you're here, a little more noty. Here we go. And repeat. I got to stop right there because I'm my I'm sitting wrong. The mic is in front of me. That's a little uh, different. I don't obviously <laughs> sit here with a mic in front of me when I'm practicing all day, but I'm sitting wrong. I started to feel the arm of my chair just encroaching on my like right uh, right elbow, so my technique is all wrong. I'm gonna go again on that. Uh, let's see and try and get it right this time because I just felt my technique was like I can play this music and I just felt my technique was all kind of just a little bit off um, and it's good to reset you don't want to get too far into the song and be like oh man I've missed so many things you know and start getting that into your playing that ends up screwing you down the line okay Missed it again. That's the line. I know I can play it. 
of course, it's not uh, realistic to be talking to you guys and recording a podcast at the same time as practicing this stuff. That's quite distracting. But let's see if we can. Uh, there we go. And this is the line I was talking about earlier on where I I get that feeling sometimes that my fingers are playing catch up to the music because it's kind of awkward. It's a piano line and the the position shifts are just really they don't they're close to things I do uh melodically speaking but they're just far enough away to make it awkward and my brain is trying to default to something i've done you know for 25 years and it's just slightly different moving the pinky a lot because i want to skip there I want to skip from G down a fourth to D and then there's another skip up to A flat and that is just not going to be fluid at all. So it has to be has to be alternating with the left hand. Ah. And then the melody. Ah. big jump there as well so I'd like to be able to play that D open that one open so I can get down to the low G but it's a kind of a and then the, the open note sticks out a little bit more than the fretted notes so it's not going to make the phrase sound, sound smooth so it's all these really uh, sort of intricate details that I that I really drill as, as deep into as I possibly can because I don't want to be listening back to it on a take and be like ooh that D really sticks out it'll bother the crap out of me um, but but to play it closed is a big leap let's try again we can but try. One, two, three, It's there. It's totally there. Um, anyone watching will notice me like take a couple of peeks at the fingerboard here. That's that's a sign. Like I was talking about earlier on, that's a sign that it's not dialed in um, where I need it to be yet. So I have to be super honest about that and work as hard as I possibly can on that. Um, luckily, the kiddo is going to be at daycare for the rest of today and. Uh, even though this is right now, it's last night. You're listening to it on Monday morning. Um, she will be at daycare most of the day. So I will actually have some hours 
uh, finally, like a last kind of big push, which is great. I'm glad it's that way around. I'm glad it wasn't that I had like some hours a few weeks ago and then tiny pieces of uh, ever diminishing parcels of time um, leading up to the session. It's actually been going in a, it, more in a crescendo. So I started off like, oh man, I got no time at all. I'm traveling. And then we went away as a family uh, trip and it's been like super sparse. And then the tunes were kind of dripping in from Stephen Manuel slowly. So been thankfully getting progressively uh, more into the music as the sessions approach. So that's awesome. Um, so that's Emergence, Un Poco Loco, um, Ugly Beauty. We're doing something in five. Uh, something I always tell myself that I don't like playing in five. Um, I think I have to stop doing that um, just because it's not that bad. <laughs> um, and I don't know why. I hate iTunes. This is where I really like my PC and I'm working on a new setup to have the PC, the uh, the Steiger Dynamics beast down here to have that sort of running in parallel with the Mac. Because all of my email and stuff and where I get the PDFs and the information is in the Mac, but I way prefer the media players and Plex and all that stuff in the PC. So I'm working on a bit of a baller multi-monitor setup. Um, I have two right now, but I think it possibly needs to be three or one massive one and one slightly smaller one for the uh i mean it's, it's ridiculous i'm typing ugly beauty into the search bar hitting return and it is giving me emergence i mean that is absolutely ridiculous it's so stupid wow so i've got to scroll down here okay i found it so yeah like i was saying five five four i tend to tell myself that is not really my thing. I haven't worked on it enough. Um, I can, of course, play in five. I just had some like traumatic moments early on in my career, I think, playing in five that did not work out uh, in my favor um, through nobody else's fault but my own because uh, I just hadn't worked on it at the time enough. And I kind of shied away from it a little bit. And my default thing is to tell myself, yeah, you kind of suck at five. Uh, but actually it's not so bad and the more obviously like anything the more i do it the better i get at it and nothing like being on a big session playing a tune in five i'll play a little bit of this for you this is uh ugly beauty thelonious monk tune um arranged by manuel lines tucked in there and I'm, I still have the demo with the original bass in it Really reading this one. 
Let's go back and get that. That one line. Boom. I was it, I was right the first time and I moved my hand. I knew I was right and I moved my hand to the wrong position. It was stupid. Second guess myself. Not a good feeling. Ah, that's what it is. Okay, flatten the finger. crescendo piano all the way to fortissimo one more time on that line yeah okay um i'll just recap that section Okay, that's working. Um, not too many more uh, speed bumps in that one. There is uh, there's some stuff in this tune. No qualm. Um, let's see. I think I think I got sent the. Did I get? Oh, I did. Yes, I did. I got sent the logic session. Thank you, Manuel. Muchas gracias, amigo. It's great having Cuban in the band. I get to practice my Spanish. Porque necesito practicar mi español, ¿no? Cuando puedes. Y con Manuel es muy bien. Yeah, so we got this kind of uh, groovy thing, this uh, original uh, by Manuel. And there's one section that's a little tricky. So that's kind of the vibe um, maybe a little bit of the vibe but where's this section oh yeah here we go this is the little tricky section is it five one two three four five six seven eight nine bars there you go one two three four five Six, seven, eight, nine, is that? Yeah, okay, you gotta love demos, right? <laughs> like the temporary sounds and program drums or, or kind of the Apple loops or whatever they are. It's taken me a while to get used to that. Like that alone is a thing. Like, oh, you've got to imagine that it's going to be real people. In just two days, there will be real people playing this stuff um, and we'll all feel way better about it than the demos not that demos are terrible they're great and it's a really useful reference it's always greatly appreciated especially when it's in a logic session i can like mute things and, and pick things out and practice and loop stuff it's that's really useful that really helps the production but yeah this so this section is in four um but rhythmically the bass line is moving around all over the place which you will uh hear Let's see how, and this is one that came last night. So this, I'm really, really like reading, reading on this now because I've only played this a few times. So uh, let's get a couple of bars of pre-roll. Mm. 
almost had it. God damn it. That's what it is. A lot of triadic stuff in Manuel's writing. So got to um, get into that mindset. Let's... Uh So also what you're hearing on the microphone is me vocalizing the rhythm. So two, three, four. So there's always that kind of going on. Like you'll never hear that. There's never going to be a microphone in front of me. You'll never hear that live. You won't hear it on a recording. Um, you are hearing it now just because of the nature of me recording a podcast and having a big-ass mic in front of me as I do this. But that's always been a little tool of mine uh, for reading. It's just vocalizing uh, the rhythms, um, not even necessarily. Sometimes the notes, sometimes they're accurate. Most of the time they're not. But that rhythm having not only not only playing that you know on my instrument but having that vocalize something in my body um, really helps me line up uh, line up stuff rhythmically when I'm reading so let's hit this one one section one more time that again everything is pushed so it's one two three and easy to do it on its own not so much with the track all right really one more time let's get this Okay, I can play it. Uh, normally, I would then go and compound that uh, successful performance by doing it 10 more times for the purpose of the podcast. I'll save your ears. I'll save your brain. Um, hopefully, that has given you a little bit of a look inside how I approach this stuff, how I am approaching this stuff right now. Uh, something that hasn't changed that much besides, I guess, the technology um, element. I wasn't always afforded the luxury of having somebody send me a logic session that I could mess around with and, you know, loop sections that easily. It used to be an old-school messenger, you know, learn music for a gig, a messenger would come up to the crib, you know, from the record label, they'd send some bike courier, uh, really, you know, with a CD. I mean, I'm not old enough for that to have been a record or a tape or something, but definitely early 2000s, the old messenger, bing, bong, and they were the, the cat would be, bike messenger with the... CD and all like uh, uh, copyright protected and like all kinds of stuff. You sign a waiver and all these things. And then just have a CD to learn the music. That was like long before people emailing you tracks and videos. And like Steve and Manuel were in the studio like working on some arrangements of this stuff. And they sent me uh, uh, like videos of their, of their rehearsal. So that was super helpful as well. 
but that's it. That's uh, what I've been working on, what I am working on, what I be will be working on right up until I leave. I did uh, say I was going to talk about the Instagram thing, uh, something... You know, um, if you've been following, you know, I deleted my Facebook, my Twitter recently because uh, they were just a time suck and quite negative and just not really not really doing anything except putting people on my radar that were just shouting into the digital void for sort of no reason. You know, there, there was an element, I guess, with Facebook, which I guess is what it started out as, like the family and actual friends thing. Um, maybe I'll just have those and have them private behind the scenes for, you know, my family to share stuff with. But I don't know. I feel like WhatsApp and text messaging and email is so effective. These, why, why do you need to share that through a company and give them all your information? So anyway, those are gone. And I was pondering that the Instagram thing, it's always been kind of, for, uh, for the last four or five years, it's been the thing that I've been most consistent with. It's got 60-something thousand followers on it. It's not an insignificant number. Um I've, things have come up through that and I've met people through that and just the other day I was like alright let's start winding this down and I deleted every single it took forever by the way I deleted over 3100 posts that I'd made or, and that took forever it felt like the it felt like Meta or Instagram, whoever's behind the scenes started to understand what I was doing like I was starting to de-platform myself and take all this information away. And it started getting progressively harder. You know, the last thousand took like, oh my God, it took forever. They it, The app kept crashing. Um, and you can't just select all and delete. You had to do it in batches of 100. So it was 31 batches, but the last thousand, the 10 batches were taking like four or five minutes each. It was, it was terrible. And um, so it's still up there, but... I'm not following anyone. I haven't been following anyone for a very long time now. Um, I have zero posts, but 62,000 followers. So it's a strange-looking profile. I think I might leave one post up there that says, hey, you know what? I'm on this thing called Substack. That's where we're hanging out, having a conversation. That's where I'm presenting ideas and discussing things that are going on in my life. Um, so maybe the Instagram will remain online and act as a redirect to Substack for, for a little while. But it's essentially dormant for now really not sure what to do with it seems crazy to like give up all those followers and uh the perceived what kind of work you do to get that following but at the end of the day you really are just an employee of um an employee of facebook that doesn't get paid you know so it's it's kind of crazy and that little teaser that freaking reels bonus payment bullshit thing where you had to make like get 11 million views on your on 150 reels in one month to get a bonus of $1,200. And $1,200 is not an insignificant amount of money. Uh, but when you compare it to 11 million views on reels, it's uh, completely insane. The amount of work you have to do for that is just it's definitely not worth $1,200, that's for sure. So even with that, uh, it, it just wasn't it really wasn't worth it. Um, so yeah, no twitter no instagram no facebook no tiktok basically no social media at all and um let's see what happens um i'm staying with youtube i think is a good place to prevent uh, to prevent to present uh long form content like this as is substack which has been great the the first week now that i've been on it the first five or six posts so again for the book giveaway go comment on this post on substack favorite bass player 
and your favorite song of theirs, that will automatically enter you into the list of names that I shall draw out a winner from and uh, send these three books, Bass Player's Guide to Altered, Bass Player's Guide to Pentatonics, and Bass Player's Guide to Sight Reading. I'll ship them out to you wherever you are in the world. I don't know. You're in Brisbane. You're in, uh, I don't know, uh, Split, uh, Montevideo. Hey, if you're in, uh, if you're across town in like Pasadena or somewhere, you know, wherever you are, um, I'll pay the shipping. I get the books out to you. It would be nice to give something away. And uh, yes, the last day, Cyber Monday, last day of our big sale. Everything is linked wherever you're listening or watching to this podcast. And uh, I will report more from the studio. Definitely go um, go join the Substack. You don't have to pay. Uh, it's not, isn't, there's no barrier to entry for that. Of course, there are paid subscriptions. I, of course, very much appreciate the support that has poured out over the past week of being there from people who want to support what I'm doing artistically. That is, that is, not, uh, that is very much appreciated. Not, it has not gone unnoticed i will talk more about that as i get more familiar with the platform and as i figure out how i'm going to structure this whole thing free versus paid and all the all the things i want to share with you and and how i'm going to use that platform to do that and uh so yeah been a bit of a long one amazingly my daughter stayed asleep the whole time i didn't have to take a break having said that she'll probably wake up right as i start to uh bounce everything down and render it and upload it um but that's it. I'm sorry, I'm just I'm just staring at her in the camera here. So that's it. I'll speak to you guys and girls, bass players, musicians of the world on the next episode. Mm-hmm.